Good morning, campers. Do you see that? The sun is back, finally. It's shining and warm, and we have lots, I mean, lots of fun activities planned. Oops, that teeny tiny mistake definitely isn't an omen and surely doesn't mean I'm losing it. <laughs> Moving on to today's announcements. Hello? What was that? Anyway, no more distractions. Let's get Camp Wanaslea back on track. Lots to do on the schedule today. We have wood splitting lessons, car maintenance, and imaginary friend therapy. Where did all these flies come from? Oh my god, there are so many of them. They're everywhere. This does not bode well. Who's there? Show yourself. Me get out, you get out. You think you can mess with Camp Director Susan Check? You have no idea what I am capable of. I'm gonna get you if it's the last thing I do. Please don't let it be the last thing I do. Mark my words, campers. I'm not going to take it anymore. Stay watchful and stay alive. Sorry, that's me now. <laughs> We're so yeah. good at this. We're very good at this. We're very, very good at starting <laughs> and ending podcasts. Um, <clears throat> hey, dudes. Welcome back to Bunk 237. Ah! Horror movie podcast. The supernatural summer camp that we made up in our heads so that we could tell ghost stories and talk horror movies. I'm yet a host. And I'm your other host, Robin. And our awesome guest today is Dr. Duncan Barlow. He is a faculty member at the University of South Dakota, where he teaches fiction writing, publishing, and horror theory. He's also an author, publisher, and musician. Thank you so much for being here, Duncan. Hey, Duncan. And Thanks please for tell us me. more about this horror theory class. Uh, sure. Yeah. So this was the first time I've tried it at the University of South Dakota. I did sort of like a baby version of this when I was uh, a graduate student at the University of Denver. And uh, they, the students seemed to like it. I just, when I was at another college, they were like, no, you, you'll step on the, the film department's toes with this. And I was like, okay, so mm. I'm doing it now here. And uh, it, it was a great semester. I mean, they were so engaged, so bright. They love talking about it. And it's just a really fun way to, to learn about certain, you know, theoretical, philosophical properties, right? Or I don't know if you would call them properties, but theories, theoretical theories. <laughs> what, did, what did you read or what did you cover in your class? <clears throat> well, we, we covered a lot. So um, depending on the, we, we did several novels so we started with um we started with the exorcist which they loved um and uh we went into hellbound heart um we did we pa i paired uh red hook horror with with uh ballad of black tom uh so we could kind of discuss lovecraft's racism uh and uh <laughs> Uh, then we went into The Grip of It by Jack Jimmick and talked about the gothic 
Um, we read Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones and talked about, which that'll come up later in this, is the idea of cursed lands. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, we finished up with Brian Evanson, and I know I'm probably forgetting a couple of the books we read, but then we paired it with theories of, like, Kristeva, Barbara Creed. Um, oh, boy, I'm trying to remember all the people that that, that we've gone over. Um but it's, you know, the day after oh, man. the end of the can semester. You're, but... like, almost making <clears throat> me want to go back to school. <laughs> I would almost <laughs> love this um, class in school. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, sort of like the greatest hits. And then also looked at some commentary that's going on now um, that maybe isn't as, as steeped in academia, but is culturally aware or... Yeah. Um, you know, looking at uh, statistics for like we 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 they watched the orphanage and we discussed like uh, uh, the abuse of special needs children in, in orphanages around the country and the stats there. Yeah. And honestly, big props to your school for letting you helm this class. I think that like horror as a genre I gets overlooked in academia or as like literature uh especially i think it's like you know i think a lot of our 70s and 80s and 90s slashers really sort of gave the horror genre a different sheen so it wasn't looked at in a serious way and it wasn't looked at as something even though all of these overarching huge societal themes or cultural themes or things going on have always been a part of horror i think it's it's the gore that sort of keeps people from taking it seriously i think and so i think that that is very cool that uh, that your school is uh, has this class that you could have this sort of critical analysis and this talk about it. Should we go back to school, Robin? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, the, our our department is very supportive, and um, I really I really like my colleagues a lot. And one of my colleagues is is uh, a Wolfian scholar, and uh, he you know he loves horror too. So when uh, I moved up to Sioux Falls, but when I lived in Vermilion, he would come over, we'd order pizza and just watch horror and talk about, you know, philosophy and, and sort of make jokes on, you know, like if we watched, for example, Rob Zombie's 31, we'd have to watch something good afterwards to just try <laughs> to beat that out of our brains that, that, that we had yeah. seen that. That's kind of like what we do here, minus the philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ours is a lot more gossip than philosophy. <laughs> we do that too. <laughs> Happy if you have philosophy stuff to share along with this movie that we're talking about today. And so, uh, yeah, uh, would you like to tell us what that movie is? I would love to tell you what that movie is. Uh, today, we are watching the original 1979 Amnival Horror, based on the book, which is based on the true story of the now infamous 1974 murders of the DeLeo family. Um, the film follows the Lutz family, who moved into the murder house a year later, which is true. It was like uh, 13 months after the murders. <laughs> it was a month after Ronnie DeLeo got convicted that they moved into this house, which sounds insane to me. Uh, but as the story goes in the film, the Lutzes were terrorized by strange, spooky occurrences in the house. And after 28 days, left slash ran away and never came back for the personal belongings, which is also actually true. Very excited about the Anvil Horror. Uh, even though, honestly, as a franchise, I never really, I never really watched it. I never got into it. Ghost stories, I tend, 
I don't gravitate towards ghost stories because they scare me the most <laughs> because of all of the sort of horror subgenres like creature features, monster movies, um, supernatural serial killers, urban legends, all that stuff I'm very fine with and I don't feel, you know, particularly scared either way, but ghost stories, like I'm enough of a hippie that like bad vibes and like <laughs> evil energies get me. <laughs> First question, are you scared of ghosts? Me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, I don't really believe in them. Duncan, you don't believe in ghosts? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you know, I mean, I believe. I guess I could believe in sort of energy being displaced yeah. or whatever if we go into the physics of energy not being right. created or destroyed or whatever. But, um, you know, I've lived a long time and... I mean, I have a ghost story from my life, but I can also very much reason it away. Um, Tell us this ghost story. <clears throat> well, we we came back from tour once and we stayed with somebody that said they had a ghost. And after we stayed there, he's like, yeah, the ghost's gone. It's kind of great. You guys must have exercised it. But then like in my house in Louisville, it was like lights started turning on and off and uh, there were like knocking on walls. And uh, and I thought okay. it was just me. You had a ghost. <laughs> but other people were, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, you know, it didn't follow me any further, so I didn't give it any more thought. Uh, but it was also an old house where lights tend to go on and off. And Do they? Things Do go they? bump in the night. <laughs> if there's a ghost. I mean, there may have been, you know, maybe maybe Ronald DeFeo was at my house and <laughs> killed another family. And I didn't know about it. Uh, Robin, you love ghost stories. I, I love ghost stories, and I want to believe in ghosts so badly i'm all about it <laughs> i do love ghost stories those are supernatural is my hands down favorite yeah uh, i do and i love yeah horror. i love a haunted house i love when houses are just real bitches you know <laughs> yeah that, that's it's supposed to house. be your safe space it's like the ultimate betrayal but it is it, it it's interesting because i thought a lot about this especially obviously with the anvil horror is like you know the ambiguous evil you know, the movie proposes the idea that, like, anyone can be evil, but it's really, it's not a creature. It's, like, a feeling or a force or a thing that sort of, like, causes evil. And the idea that there's, like, a switch inside of us that could just be, like, triggered at any moment if you're standing in the wrong spot or in the wrong place, I think is what is so scary. Because it is sort of, like, there's no, the monster is the stepdad, right? It's George Lutz. Um, specifically in this, you know, square footage of area, which I think is also something else that you're probably going to bring up, Duncan, about sort of ownership over land, yeah? Yeah, well, kind of. Um, Hans Holzer was the first person to sort of tell them that the land was haunted, right? So he's the one that kind of generated this idea that the uh, Sheinkok, uh tribe had killed people there. Like, or no, it was like a, it was a place that they buried their, like, yeah. wrong right um and this is just uh just a sort of a leftover from puritan haunted lands ideas that that essentially the puritans aligned wilderness with the evil uh with satan and then therefore the natives that were in the country were kind of devilish right and so then they would curse the lands and so all of this like native ghost story stuff comes from this puritan uh sort of 
narrative to, to conquer the land. And then, you know, it was continued on through the 20th century with authors like Lovecraft, which this actually got its name from the Dunwich Horror, the Amityville Horror. So, uh, but that, you know, not to be too serious, but like, you know, it, whenever, you know, the 80s and 70s, Stephen King loves to put things yeah. on native burial grounds. I kept right? thinking yes. about Pet cemetery. Absolutely. Robin Slotnick, one of the hosts of Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, and I have a 100% real offer for you. Our producer slash my husband Shane and I have a dog named Simon, and he is the cutest dog ever to live. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send us an email at bunk237 at gmail.com with proof, I will send you a -a one-of-a-kind photo of Simon with a custom message. This is real, and you should do it. Okay, back to the show. this is something that we've never done before and I've never done before with a badge but I want to give out my first badge which is the ooh it's an ancient Indian burial ground badge (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which for this movie because I think it's it's often noted as being one of the originators of the trope of the ancient evil Indian burial ground and you know went on to inspire a lot of Stephen King stuff Pet Cemetery, The Shining etc and just the idea of that right uh, but I would like to also immediately take away that badge because <laughs> that badge is rooted, like that trope, it's rooted in racism, xenophobia, fear of the other, making boogeymen out of native cultures, and that is not something that we should promote. Yeah. Uh, but I do recognize that this, that the, the sort of idea of sort of like haunted ground or sort of disturbing the dead and kicking up these energies is sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun, very scary concept in the world that I can get into, but maybe mm-hmm. without the racism. Without the racism. Like, right. I, <laughs> yeah. More like the gothic haunted ground. Totally. Yes. Like, yeah. You know. And and my mm-hmm. badge is, is a little bit related. It's called the everything but the kitchen sink badge because not only did we have an Indian burial ground, but we had the devil. We yes. had the passage to hell. We had extreme Catholic Christian iconography yes. and imagery. And we had a uh, an imaginary f- a friend who was like a demon, a ghost demon. There, like, there was like pretty much every <laughs> like mechanism of horror was just like thrown into this film. Yeah, absolutely. When they brought up the John, the legend of John Ketchum, who was the yeah. Satan worshiper, it, it was, was just like, like witches. We had Salem witch trials. It was everything. <laughs> yeah, it and was. Then in the then in the second, the the remake, you know, they're like, we got to give Ketchum a phrase, catch him, yeah. kill him. Yeah, know? totally. Ugh. Which is, so, and they like, got to spell it with the K. They got to spell the ketchup with a K, and it was just like, that's fine. Uh, right, ketchup. Yeah. Did you all see the remake? Did you I watch did, it, Robin? Yeah. yeah. I just watched it this morning. Uh, I had trouble staying awake. Not gonna lie. <laughs> you should give it the the sad trombone badge. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it is such a victim of being from a 2005 horror movie remake. Uh, Michael it, Bay glossed it up in a ways uh, where it was like Ryan Reynolds is like super hot so. in this movie. 
the babysitter is super hot. Like, uh, when you compare the two babysitters from the 1979 to the 2005, <laughs> it's insane. Um, it's amazing. The, the babysitter had probably the one and only line that I really loved in the remake, where she tells the kids about this horrible history of this house, and then she just looks up at the ceiling and goes, I'm so bad at being a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> and she was. <laughs> That was like the only moment where I was like, okay, I like that. (laughs) The thing that's interesting also in this movie, and I think this is a very 70s thing, is the overarching theme of religion in it. You know, there's obviously a lot of, in the, especially in the original, um, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of Catholicism. Duncan, did you grow up in a religious household? Uh, I grew up in a Catholic neighborhood, and... Yeah, kind of the 70s were still in the time where politically they said if you win the Catholic vote, you win the election. It's before the big, uh, you know, born again thing happened in America, the evangelical waves or whatever. But um, yeah, no. So like when this came out, I mean, we kind of I was eight. We already knew about the murders. Right. That was pretty, pretty big news when it happened. Um and I was little, but we, you heard rumblings of it. And then when the movie came out, then you really heard about it. And uh, much like the babysitter in the remake, we had a babysitter, and I hadn't seen the movie. Obviously, I was eight, but she told us blow by blow, blow by blow, what <laughs> happens in this movie, right? And those eyeball windows are are very popular, you know. And so we had house a house in our neighborhood that had those. You know, and I yeah. remember one time we asked the neighbor that lived there, you know, what time is it? Because we wanted to get home. And he's like, 3.15. <laughs> but, you know, we all knew about it. You know, we all knew about the movie. And when I finally saw it, I think I remember the Jody, the pig face in the window scared me the most. Right. Um, How but, old yeah. were you when you saw it? When you finally saw it? I, you know, it had to have been. I don't remember what year we got cable because we got we were an early adopter for some reason and um, it was on HBO or something and so I don't know um, that's where we got introduced to like all the worst stuff <laughs> kids to see. Do you remember being scared when you first? I mean, you were already scared of the story as a child, but when you when you actually saw the film, was it a scary film for you? Yeah, yeah. When I was a little kid, I was terrified of horror movies. I think the only one I wasn't scared of was Halloween. I actually, a sign of a broken child, I was in love with Michael Myers. And I, would sit, <laughs> I'd sit, I was in a Catholic school I'd sort of before I got asked to leave. Um, and I would just go, ding, 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 ding. Duncan, if like we're a broken child, we're all broken children. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and it wasn't until high school that I really started, I think it was I read, Clive Barker, and just fell back in love with horror. Robin, when did you see The Amityville Horror? I I honestly think that I saw it for the first time at the beginning of the pandemic. I went through like a phase of watching old horror movies that I hadn't seen, and, and I, I don't think that I realized that I hadn't seen it because the title and the story was so ubiquitous. Like growing up, my dad grew up on Long Island, not in Amityville, but like 
it was close enough that I remember like asking him about it and what he remembers about it. And that house, that image, the, the you know, the, those windows on the, with the red uh, overlay, like that was just so burned in my brain that I like was like, oh, I don't think that I've actually ever watched the movie. <laughs> There's also so, so many of them. Yeah, there are so many of them. I was aware of the remake that I, you know, I knew I hadn't seen it. Um, I had definitely looked into the story before. And I really liked the movie. I mean, it's it's a hot mess (laughs) in some ways. (laughs) But I thought it was effective. I really, I really thought that I liked the performances. I liked, I liked the actors. I was not prepared for it having a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I kind of viewed it as like up there with you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th in terms of like horror classics. Like it was always in my mind as Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I don't know if that's real <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no, it is like, it's, imp- it's an important part of horror history that people don't like. <laughs> or like, <laughs> it, there's a perception that it's like, a, it's an important part of horror history, but none of the material is that great. I wonder if, if its effectiveness comes from the fact that it will, stems from a mostly true-ish story and that it was made so soon so (laughs) so soon after it actually happened i think that that is crazy well that's the real tragedy of it is like we talk more about these films than the actual horrific event yeah you know and and it's such a horrific event it's such an interesting story and yet we talk about this half-baked you know uh, narrative that uh, you know a bunch of grifters got together and created. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I had I had a badge for Aunt Helena. It's the Nunya business badge because <laughs> she knew she knew she had to get out of there right away. She drove faster than I've seen any nun drive. <laughs> stopped on the in the middle of the road and just puked her nun guts out. Right? The visceral reaction to a house? Like, I will say that's pretty cool. She didn't even last as long as Father Delaney, which means she has to be better than him on some level, right? Yeah. Can we, can we talk about that scene the way that early on when Father Delaney shows up and walks into their house without finding anybody? <laughs> okay. I had a badge for this, too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the schedule mix-up badge because... <laughs> Fucking Kathy was like, we were here all day and he never showed up. Meanwhile, she was on a boat in the middle of the river. (laughs) I was like, no, you were not home, Kathy. He just lied to a priest. I mean, you're starting to see why Lutz got upset with her so much. (laughs) She's bad time management. She's just out there, you know, she still thinks she's in Black Christmas or whatever. Is that the same actress? I don't know. I I did love Margot Kidder. I love Margot Kidder in general. Uh, mm-hmm. In this movie, I she's fantastic. She's the one that saves the family too. I yeah. I wanted to give her the local library league badge for <laughs> effectively using a public space mm-hmm. uh, and also problem solving through research. I, I was sort of uh, like, what took her so long, you know? But then I realized, like, if you. I, if you don't have a cell phone, <laughs> it might not be your first thought to just be like, oh, let me look up like if there's anything about this weird house that I'm living in. You know, it might take you until things are really bad to be like, oh, I have to go to the library and research. 
uh, this is something my students always kind of come up against is they're like why why is this person doing these dumb things right like why don't they do this why don't they do that and it's like well horror is not going to be effective if all the characters make smart decisions the whole way through <laughs> right, right? right. Like it, and human beings don't make smart decisions often <laughs> so yeah. but i also had a library based badge Ooh, yes. um that's called the libraries are free badge because he did not have to steal that book <laughs> from those poor whispering librarians. <laughs> like, I don't know what that was supposed yeah. to represent, that he was like losing it, that he didn't understand. Yeah. But he just stuffed that library book in his pants. <laughs> and I was like, you could have just checked it out. <laughs> could he, though? Yeah, because he's evil. That's the thing. You have, have to show time. that he's yeah. evil so he'll steal from the library. <laughs> that was the ultimate tell that he had turned. Yeah, <laughs> Stealing library wow. books. Where he's did he bad. go wrong? How, what other evil things did he do? Uh, yeah. Wearing that long underwear top with those tidy whities behind you. There's a, <laughs> that's a weird choice. I did, yeah. I, I thought about... I thought about like a tidy whitey badge as he's going crazy. And this is such like a movie thing where like they stop caring yeah. about their personal appearance. And so having him walk around in like sweat stained thermal top and just that <laughs> underwear. Yeah. He clearly like went to bed in the shirt that he was chopping wood in earlier. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how you can tell. Yeah. And, and here's a thing that uh, I don't, I can't remember if in the first one it's this, but I know in the remake, he's always loading wood. No, in the, in the first one, he does it in the fireplace, but in the second one, he's loading wood into the basement fireplace. And I'm like, what house has like a wood burning furnace? Right. <laughs> That's absurd. Um, <laughs> That's like the most unbelievable thing in the whole movie. Uh, oh, I had a badge. It was uh, the Ask Me Anything badge to, uh, to George Lutz uh, for answering the age-old question, does an obsession with splitting wood and sharpening your axe make you look unstable? The answer is yes. Uh, yeah. You'd think at some point he'd be like, electric blanket. Um, electric <laughs> heater. I mean, like space heater. Yeah. His 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 abstract logic problem solving skills are really hindered by his, uh, you know. Duncan, do you have any badges you want to? Oh, badges. Um, I just want to go. We don't need no stinking badges. Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't take away a badge for, that I gave out earlier, so. Yeah, well, you know, obviously. This is the the Wild West. (laughs) A badge for the most excessive use of flies in a movie. Mm. Oh, yeah. There were so many flies. A lot of flies. They should get awards for being like the best extras in every horror movie. (laughs) I had a Mad About You badge to George Lutz for his outstanding descent into being a murdery stepdad. Except that he didn't actually murder anyone. Technically, no one died. Even though people died in the preamble, you know, like in the backstory. Nobody dies in Poltergeist either, do they? Oh, they don't, uh, yeah. I, guess, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, and hauntings, people just move, which is an interesting way to solve something. But, like, you know that they're traumatized forever, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy thing. Is like, he just tried to kill them with an axe and then <laughs> drove them off in a van. <laughs> and, like, like, supposedly they all went to live on together. Yeah, oh. Uh, animal kindness badge because they go back for the dog. Yes, I did not expect that. Props to this movie for not 
killing any animals or people, but we still got a pretty good sense that like the evil was pretty bad. Oh, so, so here's a question. Would you move into the house in their situation? Absolutely not. <laughs> Would you move in the house now? No, absolutely not. No. I have a firm okay. stance against murder houses. <laughs> murder? Really? No. Would I move into the house, like, mm, uh, would I move into the house the year after the murders took place? Potentially. Robin! Bef- before any hauntings happened. But the the family after the Lutzes? No, I would not. <laughs> you know, like, once they left, uh, <laughs> I'd be like, I know this place is haunted. No, thank you. You would give but it like, a try. That was a really good deal on that house. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I mean, that's yeah. a really nice neighborhood. And, you know, part of me thinks, because they say that. Right on the river. They don't think that, <laughs> that uh, Ronnie killed those people alone. I, I have this theory that it's the neighbors, that they're just like, God, these guys with all their Jesus lawn <laughs> art. <laughs> Let's, you know, let's give the nut bag kid a gun, and uh, you know, and then the Lutzes, they were like, let's make it look haunted because we got to get these guys, <laughs> these trashy people, out of here too, you know. But I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful neighborhood. I've been there, and I would buy that house if it, you know, were like reasonably priced. Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? Man, now I guys. think that they have like either raised the house and built another one or done some like really massive reconstruction. A lot of remodeling. Yeah. Um, See, even yeah. still, I'm, yeah, no. So you guys <laughs> both would move into murder houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I'd consider it. I mean, even <laughs> if there was blood still on the floor. I'd be like, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> it's either me or Airbnb, so. <laughs> I am, no. You guys, that's no, no, no. I don't even want to go into a murder house. Like, I don't even, if there was some sort of tour, like, I, I don't. I'm too, I'm too scared. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I wish I still had that kind of fear. <laughs> Going back to sort of the ownership of land, uh, which mm-hmm. I noticed was sort of was obviously a theme because it's like this family buys this house. And there's a scene uh, specifically where George Lutz is yelling at the house. It's like towards the end where he's yelling like, this is my house. And it was like mm-hmm. the idea that it's like, oh, because he paid for it, he owns everything around it and all this. Like, like so he gets to be in charge of if it's evil or not or like if there are ghosts like they have to he has he's trying to like evict ghosts because he bought a house uh which i think is such a fascinating thing because it is sort of the idea it's sort of pushing the idea that like oh no one owns anything you know um which i agree with no one owns anything (laughs) it's all fake (laughs) coming in hot with the marxist criticism of the film (laughs) right yeah is there something is there there something there tell me did i hit something with this movie is there a deeper marxist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure when he was pinning it, he's like, hold on, let me turn to Marx and Engels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, seize the means of production. Yeah. Um, no, I do think, you know, and that's such a that's such a manly thing to say. This is my house. Yes. You know? Yeah, Is exactly. it? Have you paid it off yet, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Well, again, I think that like uh, that's a lot of what this movie does is it 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 really plays up the idea of maleness and sort of I think what that means for George because I think part of the reason that he is going insane is because he's losing control right mm-hmm. he's losing control of this family that he's supposed to be a part of he's losing control of the house that he bought um, he's losing control of his business because the house stole $1,500 from him which is <laughs> I will say that would have driven me insane <laughs> If I knew exactly where I put that money and then it disappeared, I would have gone crazy. Would you have blamed the house? No. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I would have blamed one of those punk-ass kids. Right, right. Pop quiz. What are their names? Gregory, I think, was one. Michael and Amy. Did I made that up. <laughs> It could be true though. Jody, Jody was the ghost. Jody was a ghost. Oh, we definitely know. She Jody's said name. she said Jody a lot. She did say Jody a lot. Would you? Could you? Um, write an Amityville story. You mean like if I was contracted to do such? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm not going to do it unless. You know. Duncan. Yes. Before we go, where can we find you on the internet? In too many places. Um, <laughs> Uh, you could go to my website, which is DuncanBBarlow.com. Uh, that's also my Twitter handle, but I am very rarely on there. Um, and my... Good for you. My, yeah, I know. <laughs> Instagram is Ghostscapes, and one word. And that's because there's more cats and kawakas on that than on Twitter. So that's what I kind of find my joy in and round boys and stuff yeah and you're also <laughs> an author tell us where we yes. can find your books uh you could order my books um at a local bookstore if you're cool um or you could order through amazon if you're lazy um <laughs> you could also order directly through the uh publisher stalking horse press and then uh yeah i just had a a, a solo record come out called Colony Collapse, which you can buy through Mind Over Matter Records, or I think they're distributed through Death Wish. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Yeah, thank Thank you so much for coming on. It was was a joy. It was a joy. I tried not to make it too nerdy. Oh, no, please. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I will say I want to give you a badge for being the first doctor that we've ever had on Mm. the show. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Best doctor badge. My PhD is like the Lutz moving into that neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Every all the all the other PhDs are like, what? Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Jet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and introducing Alex Skoke as camp director Susan Check. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Axe Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237, and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.